Well, thank you so much for, for leading us in worship um, this morning. And I hope you guys have had a great week. Um, and continue to pray for George White. That's why you had me this morning. So that may mean that you may get to make it to the, the breakfast buffet on the Shoney's uh, with me being here this morning. That, that's okay. We're going to change and move away from, from Luke this morning. Um, we're going to find ourselves in, in Corinthians here in just a minute. You know, I want to talk about something that uh, I think that has been on my heart that we've been through with the students and continue to go through. And we're looking at this word redemption, being redeemed. You know, because in our lives, our sin, um, there's nothing that we can do to, to ever fix ourselves. Um, with God in and of ourselves, there's nothing that we can ever do with our sins to make ourselves right. Although we often try, we often try our best, it's never going to happen. We can never plan, we can never do things um, for that to happen. On my many travels to Nicaragua, I remember one time going and, and going by um, a, a church there and going inside this, this beautiful cathedral and looking around and being amazed at it. And looking off to my right hand side, I saw a father and I saw his son over to the side, and, and the father was showing his son how to walk on his knees. Um, some way to, to make himself right um, with the Lord. You know, and I, I think, you know, as I was looking at that, I was like, man, that, that's, that's pretty extreme. And I started thinking to myself, well, I do often, I do the same things. I try to make these side deals with, with God. Lord, if I do this, will you take care of this? This sin that I've done. Or I've done this, Father, for you. Will you take this away from me? The reality of church is this, it took Jesus. It took Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, to make the only way. It took all of him. His blood is what has redeemed us, is what has brought us back into a right relationship with him. Those who put their faith, those who put their trust in Christ can indeed be saved from their sin. We have to remember this. We have to remember Christ, he had to be fully human. He couldn't be partially human. He couldn't be 50% human. He had to be 100% human as our representative, because he obeyed the law perfectly, as none of us could ever do. He had to be human to be our champion and deliver from sin and that holds us captive and leads us to death, both physically and spiritually. It was a human life for a human life, and that human life was Jesus, a perfect sacrifice. You know, a side note to think of this morning is Jesus, he understands our lives. Hope you realize that he understands he's been through what you've been through. He's walked this earth. He knows. He knows the struggles that we go through. He, he was tempted in every way. As a 100% man, he was tempted in every way and without sin. He fought against the enemy. He always came back with him with, with the correct usage of his word. And that should be encouraging for us this day. It should be encouraging to know he understands. So when you're sitting there, you're laying in bed at night, and you're looking up at the ceiling, oh, Lord, do you understand what I'm going through? You can say, yes, I do. I've been there before. So he had to be fully human, 100%. But he also had to be, remember, Christ also had to be fully God. Only God himself is capable of redeeming humanity. Let me say that again. Only God himself is capable of redeeming humanity. Because of Jesus and his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective for salvation. So his humanity is what qualified him as a substitute, and his divinity meant that he was the only proper, the only perfect substitute. He had to die. <coughs> he had to die in our place to deliver us from the power and the penalty of sin and to bring us back into a relationship with God. And realize what that is, that sin, the wages of sin, of course, is death, physically and spiritually. Separation from him forever. 
Yes, that sin brought us in. It makes us when we die physically. But not just that, it makes it so that if you are not in him, when you do die, you will be separated from forever and ever and ever and ever. But he had to die for us in our place. You may be like Pastor Stephen, Pastor Fish, whatever you want to call him. I got this. I got this. I understand this. But guys, let's be honest. Church, let's be honest. It's always good for us to be reminded of this. I think so many times we forget the cost of redemption. So many times we forget. It's good for us to have some depth, some knowledge as we proclaim this so others around us can understand it better as well. Because we easily forget. But let me say this. Because of Christ's death, all of our sins can be forgiven. Because of Christ's death, all our sins can be forgiven. Let that sink in. All, all our sins can be forgiven. Every single one of them. That should make us say hallelujah. That should make us say, wow, that's amazing. You know, on the way in this morning, uh, I often do the same thing I do every time I, I preach. And I have three songs I go to. Not that I'm like a baseball player coming up to bat. You know, as baseball players have their songs beforehand. It's not that, but it just helps me to get my mind in the right place as I travel. And I have three songs that pretty much fit perfectly as I come here. And one of them today, the, the, the last song I want to say I finished with is Finish finish what he started by mercy me. A constant reminder, no matter what I've done, no matter what you've done, his grace comes like a flood. There's hope to carry on. He'll finish what he started. And I don't know about you, but I look at myself and I'm like, Lord, I know myself. I know my sin. It's horrible. It's grievous towards you. How can all that be forgiven? But it is. It is. And let's face it, we all have sins in our life. All of us, past and present. You know yours. I know mine. And I don't want us necessarily to focus on that this morning because if we do consider and you start to think about that number one sin in your life that you would rate as the worst thing you've ever committed, quickly depression can come in. Lord, do you remember that? I can't believe I did that, Lord. Because that, that's the magnitude of our sin towards Him. And it should cause us, it should cause us to grieve. But I, I don't want us to, to go that direction this morning. Because we could do that. But rather, I want you to allow joy. I want me to allow joy to enter our focus right now because Christ's death on the cross has fully paid the penalty of our sin and God will remember our sins no more. Fully pay that penalty. If we're in Him, if you're in Him, it's done. It's forgotten. We may remember, but, but He doesn't. He doesn't. So God uses uh, in Scripture to, to remind us of this. A couple of verses I want to look at this morning before we get into our main passage. And some of the verses that he uses are reminders using the, the, the word snow. I don't know about you guys, but I can really use some snow right now. Um, you know, we've had like these weird temperatures. You know, we had hot October. Now we got like, I don't know what you want to call it, January, but it's not been cold. It's going to be called snow or the nice snow that, you know, lands on the grass but doesn't land on the roads. So you can still drive and get places. You just get to look at all the beauty. Whatever it may be, it would be nice to have some snow. And, and, and his word, he, he reminds us of snow. Here's what I love about snow. Snow makes everything look beautiful, correct? I mean, you go by a junkyard and it's snowed. You look over there, that's a beautiful looking junkyard. The snow lays over, right? Snow does that. And most snow is white. Sometimes it can be other colors we know, but most snow is white. And yes, it shows, it shows that purity, all right, that purity. So a couple of verses for you. Psalms 51 7. Psalm 51 7. You can look at the screen and I'll turn there. It says, Purge me 
with hyssop, which is a herb of purification, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Isaiah 118. Or Isaiah, whatever you want to say it. I get in trouble for that every time I say that. Sorry, I have British parents, so I'm all messed up. Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. You know, uh, what great pictures that is. Snow, covering, making us white. So that when God looks down on us, if we're in Christ, he doesn't see what we see. He doesn't see the dirtiness that the least people look at the Lord, how could, you, how could you love me like you do? How could you forgive me? Why? Because he's looking through at Christ, looking at us, and he sees us as white as a driven snow. So God uses this example as a reminder of cleansing for us. We can have confidence, church, that those that are in Christ are fully forgiven. Fully forgiven. So really this passage this morning briefly, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, we'll pull some things from that um, this morning. So if you want to turn with me, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Here's what it says. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, we was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he has made um, him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a great section of scripture. And we're not going to be able to unpack it all this morning, but I want to remind you of a few things. I want to remind you of Paul, here he's talking to the church in Corinth. He's reminding them, he's explaining the difference, I should say, between being in the flesh, being a non-believer, being a non-disciple, a non-Christian, and being in Christ. That's what he's talking about here. He's seeking to help correct false teaching that the Corinthians had heard. He instructs them not to regard Jesus just as a man, but fully man and fully God, 100% of each. He, he's the perfect redeemer who can deal with the sins of humankind once and for all. Those that are in Christ, those that have been redeemed by Christ, are a new creation. The old things, the old ways of hating and rebelling against God are gone. Instead, there's a new life of loving and living for God. Newness. Not the old life, but newness. There's a radical change that is taking place in a believer's life. You know, who better to talk about this than Paul himself? I mean, look at Paul's life. What a radical change we see in his life. Yes, he, he loved the church. He didn't think that Christ was the Messiah. He didn't think that he was the Christ. He didn't think that he was legit. He loved the church. So what did he do with his love for it, with the love of the law? He went after it. He hunted down those that, that would claim to be Christ, to be Christians, would of Christ, the, the way, and he would hunt them down. He would hold the coats as those that, that, that were taken there would, would be stoned to death. One of them being Stephen. 
Stoned to death. The first martyrdom that we have recorded there. Stoned to death. That Paul. That Paul saying, saying this. Look at his life. How did his life change? What happened to him? He met Jesus on the road. With orders in hand to go get some more, he met him and got knocked off of this horse. And forever his life was changed. There was a radical change in his life. The one he used to be as an enemy against Christ, now was for Christ. Going out and sharing Christ with others. And he himself was dragged outside of a town called Lystra, I do believe, and stoned. Presumed that he was dead, they left him alone. But what I love about Paul, he's a warrior. What does Paul do? He gets up, wipes himself off, and goes on. Goes about back into the town. What a warrior he was. Champion for Christ. Old, old the past, what the new begun. Let me ask you this though, church. Was there a change in your life? Has there been a change in your life? If you claim to be his, is there a change in your life? Has there been that change? Is your life different from what it was, or is it just the same? If your life is just the same, there's an issue. Alright? Because the Lord's going to do his work in you. Sanctification is going to happen. Yes, there's times that we want to have the, the, this Christian life that just shoots upward so quickly. If you had a, a graph, a line graph, it shoots up so directly and so high. I mean, look at how I was before. Look at me now. Oh my goodness, look what the Lord has done. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. For some, it may. Sometimes you may have little increments going up, and you may dip down low and then go back up. I know myself, that was me. Up and down, up and down like a roller coaster. But I never dipped down to the place I once was. And he never left me. He was always there with me. He always brought me back. Same with you. He's in your life working, but is he? Has he? If you claim to be his, is there a change? Is there a change in your life? Do you desire the things of God? Do you desire his word? Or are you drinking milk like a baby? Or are you going after the big steak and eating meat now? Going after it. Only you can answer that. Also, are you, are you living for God or are you living for self? Living for God or living for self? Well, listen, the younger you are, the easier it is to live for self. But I think the older you get, sometimes it can be just as easy to live for yourself. What are you doing at work? Are you living for God and living for yourself? Are you thinking about the people that are around you, that he's put you there for a reason? You may not see it, you may not know it, but he has. He's got you right where he wants you. Are you listening to the conversations happening around you? Are you perceiving, are you praying as you're going and say, Lord, give me the word so I can speak to my coworkers exactly what they, what they need. Father, help me. Everything that you do, guys, you just never know. You never know what's going on. Oops. <laughs> Hope that wasn't the new mic. <laughs> it dented, but it's okay. And I see my trophy still on here too. That's all right. Um, yes. You never know. Are you listening to that? Though? Are you listening to the Lord? And when people contact or reach out to you, are you reading through what they're saying? You're reading between the lines in the best of ways and saying, "Lord, I see what's going on here. Help me, Father. Use me." School. I know a lot of us aren't in school. I'm out of school, praise the Lord, I don't plan on going back. But, but our students are at school, same thing for them. Are you living for God and living for self at school? That's the biggest mission field that, that we have right here. They're in it. It's hard for us to get in it. Are you doing that, students? Are you living for him there? Everywhere we go, we're to be an example for him as believers in Christ. Because he reminds us we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative. He's one who speaks for in the place of, I guess you could say to a degree, pointing to, in our case, it's us pointing towards Christ. We're ambassadors for him, speaking, representing him to this world around us. 
Verse 18. Verse 18 says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Christ is the one who reconciled us to himself. Christ is the one who put us back in a right relationship with him. He's the one who redeemed us, put us back in a right relationship. Relationship that had been broken. We know if you go back to the Garden of Eden, it was broken there. When they figured out that they, that they had sinned with the aid of that, of that fruit, what happened? They hid themselves, right? That fellowship was broken. Why? Because they had sinned. And as God would walk with them in the early of the morning, in the cool of the morning, now they're hiding from them. That, that relationship had been broken. But we're thankful we have the second time. We're thankful we have Jesus that came and he made it right. He made it right to bring us back into a right relationship with him. And why would he do this? Why would God do this? Why would, would God bring back a relationship with those that have broken his laws against him time and time again, those that come against him all the time? Why would he do this for me? Why would he do this for you? And for me, I can only come down to the three words. And there may be others, and if you have that, that's fine. Three words for me is his amazing grace. His amazing grace. His unmerited favor towards me. I don't deserve this. You don't deserve this, but he's done it. Unmerited favor. But as we see in verse 21, there is a price. There is a price for this reconciliation. What does it say? It says, for our sake, he made him being Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That price was Jesus. That price was Jesus. He took our sin upon himself. Upon himself. Think about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit together for all time. Triunity unity together. Jesus comes down. He comes, he lives perfectly, perfect life. 100% human, 100% God takes his sin, our sin, upon himself. For those who place their faith in him, maybe he made them, maybe he did right with God. He took it all. And in that moment when he was on the cross, what did he say as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That which had been together for all time was broken for that midst. Why? Because of our sin, because of my sin. He, he made the way. He paid the ultimate price. But praise the Lord. Thank, thank the Lord that the grave didn't hold him. Right? Three days later, he rose to show that he has power over death, which is sin, and also to give us life. Life anew. So, that means that, that just as, as God is, is imputed, as he's as ascribed, is the word I like to use, the regard as a quality, just as God has, has imputed our sin and guilt to Christ, and God also imputes the righteousness of Christ that is not our own to all who believe in Christ. This great swap happens. He takes my sin and gives me his righteousness. He takes your sin and gives you his righteousness and his great mercy and his great grace. How amazing that is. Because of Christ, what does God do? He regards and treats believers as having the same or having the status of righteousness because we're in Christ. Amazing that is. We're in Christ. We're, we're totally cleansed from all our sins. Past, present, future, our sins. It's gone. It's fully removed as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. Praise the Lord for that. When you place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven. Fully, freely, and forever. Forever. But listen, it doesn't mean that our lives are going to be easy. 
And that number never going to be free from temptation um, to sin or will not sin again. And if I ask you to raise your hand, you'd probably be so quickly, how many of you have sinned today? I mean, we, 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 we sin. It doesn't make, I'm flipping with it, but it happens. Unfortunately, we, we still have this, this propensity to sin. So here's the difference. Now, now we have the ability not to sin. You and I have the ability not to sin, not because of ourselves and our own strength, but because of the Holy Spirit that he's given us. Now we have the Holy Spirit that is within us and says, hey, that ain't right. You're being tempted. Don't go that way. We have the plumb line of him saying, no, don't choose that direction. Choose this direction. I give you this direction. And in that moment, we have a choice to make. And too often, we can't still, unfortunately, even though we are a new creature, choose to go in a different direction. Because we still sin. But here's the difference. Sin no longer reigns in our life. It no longer has the reign in our life. Even though it may remain, it no longer reigns. Jesus has dealt with it. He's dealt with sin. And God pronounces that those who are in him are not guilty. You and I are not guilty if you're in him. This church, as I've said several times, we should celebrate. Celebrate this. If you ever wonder if you're loved, if you ever come to that point where you're going through a difficult time, we all have them. You know, I think about my junior high years. Those were the most horrid years of my life. You know, coming and looking in the mirror and looking at myself and all these things on my face, greasy hair and everything else going on and, and just feeling beat down by bullies and everything else and saying, do you love me? He does. I can look at the cross and I can remind that Jesus loves me. You can remind yourself when you're feeling not so loved that Jesus loves you. Look at the cross. That's when, when God looks at believers Again, he doesn't see me, nasty me, or nasty you. He sees the righteousness of Christ. So some of you may be saying, hey, what about sin now? What about, what about when I sin now? Here's the thing. Your status before the Lord is unchanged. If you sin now, your status before the Lord is unchanged. However, your fellowship with God is disrupted and your Christian life is damaged. You can say that again. Your status before the Lord is unchanged if you sin right now. However, your fellowship with God is disrupted and your Christian life is damaged. I mean, I think of this, I think of parents. How many of us in here have had or have parents? How many of you have had or have parents? You're here, means you obviously did, yes. Let me ask you this, when you messed up, are you still your parents? Go back, I don't know how many years it may be for you, some of you, it's not so quick for me as well. You ever mess up with your parents? Lord knows I did. Pastor's kid. Extraordinaire. Yes. <laughs> I think, yes. I can just think of all these things run through my mind. But even when I messed up, did my dad and my mom push me away? Did they cease to love me? No. No. Now they disciplined me, often with a rod. And dad learned very quickly that some rods break more than others, so. He got bamboo, which is a lot more difficult to break. <laughs> and it still goes through padded clothing if you try to stuff your pants. It still went through. My brother taught me that. It's hard to fake try, though. It really is. But anyhow, no. Why do we discipline? For, for those of us that are parents, or even, just think about it. Why do we discipline our kids? Because we love them. That famous saying, I do this, you know, because I love you, son. Or, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I mean, we've heard that before, but it's true. It's true. He does love me. My dad and my mom did love me enough to, to do those things. Your parents loved you enough to do them as well. Even though we messed up, they didn't, they didn't throw us aside. They didn't cease to love us. Although they disciplined. Same thing with God. Even though we mess up, he's not done with you. He's not finished with you. 
No, he's not. Now, he may discipline you, as he rightly should, but that just goes to show you that he loves you. He wants the best for you. So even through that discipline, be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. So when we come to God in confession, after we've sinned, when we come and say, hey, I agree with what this is, I've done wrong, and I repent, I turn from it, we ask for forgiveness, what happens is refreshing and renewal of that forgiveness is given to us again. It's a refreshing renewal of that forgiveness that has already been given. It's a remembrance of what Christ has done as we come to him. He restores that relationship with, with God that we have with him. That's why it's so important for us, for you and for me, to have times of confession, to have times of repentance. Is that happening in your life? Does this take place in your life? Is there times that you come and you confess, Father, what I did today, this right here is wrong. I turn from it. Is that you? I hope so. I hope so. It's important. It's something that should be taken, not just not taking place just, just at the end of the day, but even as we go, as we're walking, as we're going, as we're living, boom, something comes up. Take care of it right then. You know, I had the privilege years ago of meeting Dr. Adrian Rogers. One of, one of, I mean, a favorite preacher of mine, the Prince of Preachers, I think he called him. I wish I had that voice that he had. You know, he's just amazing preacher. And he said this as he was teaching a pastor conference. He said, listen, he goes, I can stand before you right now and I can tell you this, that I do not have any unconfessed sin that I know of in my life. I was like, holy man, I can't believe that. Look at that. No confessed sin or unconfessed sin in his life. Why? Because he took care of it all the time. I think that's a good example for us to follow. Constantly. Constantly. Because what happens when you're constantly in touch with the Lord? You'll be less likely to, to walk away, to do things that, that, that are hurtful to your relationship with him, hurtful to others. So does this take place in his life? And I guess the last question I have before turning back to the song is, is has this taken place in your life? Has this taken place in your life? I mean, I come in here and I assume, as I do with students on Wednesday night, that everyone walks in these doors knows the Lord. The reason that you're here is because you want to gather together for congregational worship as we are to do. It's very important. We're commanded to do so. We're here. This is for the believers. But I also know this. There are many that walk through the door that don't know the Lord. I'm glad you're here. You're welcome. I'm glad you're here. We want you to hear the word of God. We want you to come into a relationship with him. So my question to you is, has this taken place? Do you realize that you are a sinner and you have a Savior? And that Savior is Jesus Christ. And he is the only way that's going to make you brave right with the Father. Nothing else you can do. You can't climb or you can't climb yourself up to him. That's it. It's him. There's no plan B. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. I pray for you. I do. I don't want you to leave this place without coming and knowing him. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit. Because there is something that happens after you leave this earthly plane. It's eternity. And I want you to spend eternity with him. Forever and ever and ever. I don't want you to go to a place of, of gnashing teeth and, and hurtful pain and, and, and harm. I don't want that for you. Same thing as I don't want it for my own, my own extended family that I have that doesn't know the Lord of England. So I ask you, has this happened in your life? Has it? And if it hasn't, come. Talk. Talk with me. Talk with others. And let us open up the Word of God and explain to you through other verses. How do we made right with the Father? But simply, is that it's confessing Jesus as Lord, giving your life, surrendering your life, saying, hey, take, take my sin and give me your righteousness. I will follow you all the days of my life. That's it. It's that simple. Is your life going to change? Yes. If you're in him, it is going to change. You will be changed in the blink of an eye. And I pray for those in here that, that haven't taken place, that today would be that day.
closing with a psalm this morning, Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And as you well know, Psalm 51 is, is the psalm of David. Psalm of David. And we're reminded of David and his own life. What happened with David? Of course, he fell. He fell to, to Bathsheba. When he should have been out at war, what was he doing? Hanging on the rooftop, looking where he shouldn't have looked, and he saw Bathsheba, and we know what happens from there. Well, as we come to Psalm 51, we're seeing that the psalm of praying for, for just restoration in his life. As we just read about purging him with high salt and making him clean, and he should be watered in snow. But then we come down to verses 10, and 11, and 12. We say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from, from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restoration, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Church, many of you may need some restoration today. Maybe you forget the joy of your salvation. I know I do. It's easy for us to go about our life and forget the joy of our salvation. Restoration, we need it. So I don't know where you're at this morning, whether you're, you're a believer, follower of Christ, a disciple of his, that is a need of just that, it's just maybe the Lord's speaking in your heart in many different ways that he can, or, or you're someone who doesn't believe in the Lord, that desperately needs him. I ask that, that during this time, as we come, as we have what they call an invitation, which really is a point of commitment, it's a point of you taking some time as you're singing to think through what you've heard, I pray that the Lord will do what he can do in your heart and show you those things, show you those areas that, that need to be confessed. Um, they need to be to be uh, reconciled with him. I pray for that. You pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity, Father, we've had to come to your word. Lord, to be reminded uh, of the word that we know so well, that word being redeemed, being bought back. Reminded of something that I know we all know that you are 100% man, 100% God. We know these things, Father, but so often we don't, we don't live in that way. So often, Lord, we forget these things, Father, that when you, you sent your son and he came and he died on the cross, died in Calvary, Lord, for those who place their faith in him. And those sins that we have are gone. We're taking care of your plans are forever gone. And how amazing that is, Lord, amazing grace that we have. Well, I just pray for hearts and minds today. Or I pray that you would just free, or free, Lord, those that understand biblical truth today and that need, Father, that, that, that free, Father, understand it. So they can come in a relationship with you or to restore the relationship, whatever it may be that's going on. Lord, help us as a church this week as we leave this place, Father, to talk about you. Because what we talk about is what we love. And if we love you, we ought to be talking about you all the more. Without fear, without worry, speaking you to others. Father, help us. But most of all, again, thank you. Thank you for your great love for us as you reminded again and again. Christ, the cross, and his resurrection. We are praying in the name of Jesus. Amen.